This is Sick and Wrong, America's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm the other host, Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wackerly? Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, man. Why didn't you give me anything? Yeah, I got the finger, the middle for you. <laughs> that's what you got me last year. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I give everyone on Valentine's Day. Except well, you my... know where you can stick it later. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, I don't want to go on and on about why I hate Valentine's Day because pretty much every podcast and every radio show, people every, bitch everything. about Valentine's Everybody Day. Just, it's just a hack thing to talk about. But I really do hate Valentine's Day. And, you know, the, the only reason I think we put up with it, so like last night, and this is the only time I think I'm ever going to have to do this. So on Valentine's Day, we actually went out to a restaurant. I took the lady out to the restaurant, which is just a hectic Hellish. nightmare. Yeah, no, dude, it is, seriously, I had to like call like 20 places to get a fucking reservation. Yeah. It's crowded and it's annoying and it's like they even charge more money and it's just like, you know what, whatever, dude. Not into this whole faux romantic bullshit. But you do it because you know you're going to get laid afterwards. You know, it's like it's that's the one thing about but Valentine's you really, Day. You really only know if you're in the type of relationship where you're prob you pretty confident you can get laid whenever you want, anyways. Well, yeah, I mean, you you can get laid whenever you want, but Valentine's Day is an excuse for intimacy for a lot of people. Because, like, think about all those married couples they they fuck maybe once a year. Birthday you know, and Valentine's Day. Birthday and Valentine's Day, because Valentine's Day is like Hallmark is forcing you to like be intimate with your fat you know, middle-aged housewife. Yeah, your marriage is officially failing if you can't get it on on Valentine's Day. Yeah, like you have to do it. So you buy her flowers, you come over, you give her like the two-pump squirt action, and then that's about it. You know, I mean, that's a, that's how you fortify your marriage. But the one thing about Valentine's Day, if you do buy your, you know, if you have sex with your girlfriend on a regular basis and you guys have like, you know, a, a regular sex, sexual relationship, on Valentine's Day, she will get freakier. Have you ever noticed that? I don't I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I think that's a possibility, but there's also a possibility that that she'll try and push it into that like super intimate sex where you like ha- it has to be missionary and you have to be like gazing into each other's eyes and God, saying how much you love each other while you're fucking. I hate that too. It's the worst sex ever. Yeah. It well, goes here's how the ranking goes. Animal freaky, like you don't even, re- you're not even human anymore. You turn into a monkey sex. She's That's licking, the best. Yeah, she's giving you a rim job. You're, you know, fucking her porno style. Yeah. Then there's boring sex. And then that like super intimate sex is way at the bottom. It's just, it ruins it. And it, you know, though, I've, I guess I've had several girlfriends in the past where it's just like, you know, all of a sudden it's just like they stop gazing your eyes and be like, you know, I just want you in me. <laughs> You feel so good inside of me. You're like, I am in you, and I know. That's why yeah. I'm hard, okay? I, okay, let me pull my dick out of your ass now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was no. too much for you, I guess. <laughs> but no, I, I know what you're saying. It's like you have the girls who are just like, let's just become one unified <laughs> being. Our spirits are intertwining. Yeah, that's the worst. No, for Valentine's Day for me, it's like if I'm going to go buy you flowers and chocolates and a butt plug... I want to be able to at least blow my load in your face. You know, it's like that's what you should be getting because we have to go through we have to go through all that hassle of going to dinner and everything. I'd like a finger in the butt myself. <laughs> for you or for her? For me. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you never know. I mean, a little bit of ball manipulation. Yeah, just something out of the ordinary instead right. of just like regular sex. Roll but, over. Yeah, but you know, I, I, that's all I really want to say on the matter. I do hate Valentine's Day. Valentine's and, Day bad, sex good. That's all yeah, you need to say. I, I'm, I'm glad that it's over. 
But um, in other news, did you hear about that lady? We were talking about this earlier. Did you hear about that 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 woman on the plane that in was going San from Francis- Boston to San yeah, Francisco? I, I did actually have that article right here in front of me. Coincidentally, yeah. <laughs> coincidentally enough, well, I, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about this, but it brings up an interesting point that I think merits discussion here on Sick and Wrong. Yeah, it's not a unique story because stuff like this happens all the time. This is a particularly egregious case. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have brought it up in, in, unless we had something to add, which we can get into as I tell. I relate the story. Well, what's interesting is I think it's what I like about this story, and we're going to get to this in a second. Is the fact that we have a level of social responsibility now as passengers now, on a flight that we didn't have prior to nine eleven. Yeah, never forget. Never forget. And 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 what this is is we have the freedom to beat the shit out of another passenger on an airplane if they freak out. I don't think it's a freedom. I think it's an obligation. A social yeah. obligation, a social responsibility to wail on somebody if they freak out. So what happened in this story? Well, this woman, this woman was flying from Boston to San Francisco airport. Uh, she's Her name's Erin. Uh, she's 28 years old. Obviously a waspy lush. It's like well, a five-hour flight, right? She Six might be hour Catholic. Flight? She has kind of an Irish <laughs> name, but either way. Um, yeah, she was originally charged with interference with flight crew members, which is a felony uh, that could have sent her to prison for up, uh, up to 20 years, but she pled out. She actually pled out to an assault charge, a misdemeanor assault charge. Apparently, assault is a lower-grade crime than tampering you know, with, fl- with a flight crew. She's lucky she's white. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. But, I mean, seriously, dude, 20 years max, whoever gets that. So this woman, Erin, you know, she uh, just basically pretty basic story she got loaded (laughs) probably way more loaded than she's used to probably in the airport bar waiting for the plane knocking back those vodka not you know not keeping track of what she's drinking and just went completely batshit crazy on the plane so what'd she do though i mean wasn't she like talking on her cell phone Uh, flight attendants told her to like you know shut up and go back to her seat it's a six hour uh flight from boston to san francisco and halfway through it she stood up from her seat went to the back of the plane and began yeah took out her cell phone and called you know one of her friends or something which which they freak out because they they tell you to shut your cell phone off which I, I think if one person had their cell phone on, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I think if everyone had their cell phone on, then the plane is going to crash. That's what they make it sound like. That That is a whole other topic. I, I know, I know. But, I know it's, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's not even unspoken. They tell you before the flight leaves, shut off your cell phone. Yeah, it can interfere with the communications, apparently. But the bigger issue is, do you really want to be on a plane with a... 200 people and half of them are talking in their cell phone for the entire fucking flight. Have, no. you, ever, have you ever ridden the bus? Yeah, and you have to deal with some yuppies sitting and, and there the bus driving on their cell phone. Or some, you know, like just white trash talking about their baby's daddy and blah, 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 blah. Sucks. I like that, though. But, but, but you like it because the bus ride is 15 minutes max. Yeah, but the plane ride hours? could be six hours. Yeah, I would freak out too. You'd freak out after about an hour. And ride. so the, the steward or stewardess or whatever, the flight attendants were like, you got to go back to your seat. Yeah, well, they also don't like you standing around because that's what the terrorists did is they all sort of like started to congregate near the front of the plane or something. And that's when they sort of, you know, began Just to playing have... with their box cutters. Right. <laughs> Just sharpening my box cutter here. Cleaning the, underneath their fingernails. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously... The flight attendant says, well, first of all, you can't talk in your cell phone. Second of all, you can't just stand here. You got to go back to your seat. And she says, uh, she told the flight attendant, I'm calling 911 because the plane is being hijacked. (laughs) 
drunk. Yeah, she's That's wasted. That's pretty drunk. Uh, the woman eventually returned to her seat, but 20 minutes later, when a passenger seated next to her, yeah, that's great. I really want to be si- seated, si- se- yeah. seated next to the really drunk, loud, annoying woman. Yeah, the drunk, crazy bitch. Could, could I sit here, please? So the person sitting next to her uh, went to the restroom, and this woman took her seat, and then when the woman came back from the bathroom uh, and politely asked for a seat, the woman refused to give it up. I, I kind of assume she's like sprawled over her seat and the seat next to her. So, okay, the lady gets up to go to the bathroom, and she went give her seat back no dude i mean right there is an excuse to start beating some ass well maybe i don't know if we've described the obligation we've only said that well, all americans have an obligation you'll get we'll get to the obligation in one second here. okay well so the woman said fine take my fucking seat and the flight attendant found another seat for that woman but then when the flight attendant went back to grab that woman's bag you know that was underneath the seat this 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 Aaron chick, this drunk chick, wouldn't give the wouldn't let her get the luggage back. So wait, she like annexed her luggage? Yeah, everything, seat, luggage, all the shit is mine. Ah, oh, dude, I would have been so pissed. Um, when she was told, uh, she was told to move to another seat, I guess. Uh, and when told, to, and then they said, just leave your shit there, go to this other seat, because uh, you 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 obviously have a problem with this woman. Uh, Aaron said, no, you're gonna have to kill me and my dog. Then she took her dog to the restroom and locked herself in the restroom. What was she doing with her dog? Well, that's another annoying thing. Some people don't, and I and I agree, you, I don't think it's cool to, to have a dog and put it in the cargo area of a plane. <laughs> I just think dogs and air travel don't mix. Or oh. same thing goes for cats. But you know, okay, so the woman went on vacation. Leave your dog with a dog sitter. Why, why do you have to carry the fucking, it's probably like a chihuahua. Yeah, it's or something be Like some dog. little toy dog they, they that she's little, carrying around. They have those little toy dog bags and she had her dog in a bag. God. It's probably, you know, it's six hours. The dog's probably shitting in there and just smelling the place up. Yeah, dude, and smelling like dog. I'd be, I, who does she think she is, Paris Hilton? So she locked herself in the bathroom for a little while. Eventually, she came out and started walking rapidly towards the front of the airplane, saying, I'm getting off the aircraft. Okay, so, so she she's was, totally lost it at this point. It was trying to open the cabin door. Yeah, she went up to the cabin door, um, at which point a flight attendant yelled at two passengers near the cabin door, uh, to help as they uh, to help head this woman off um, and restrain her. Yeah. Then the captain got involved. I assume he, maybe the co-captain's flying the plane. I yeah. don't know why the captain's back in the uh, passenger area. But he got involved and ordered that Lambert be handcuffed. So I guess they had real cuffs, like real metal police cuffs. They put them on her. But then she proceeded to, uh, you know, she was kicking, screaming, and spitting at people. Um, probably just swearing the whole time going on a tirade. Yeah, she had to be forcefully put in the seat. And then I guess she managed to squeeze her hands out of the out of the handcuffs, you know, like big wrists, small hands or something. Wow. And so they had to use those like flex zip tie cuffs on Yeah, her. the riot cuffs. I like that they have all this shit on the plane. Yeah, no, it's kinda it's it's comforting to know that. They should really get tranquilizer darts. So so the fact of the matter is the flight attendants were like asking passengers Help us restrain and subdue this woman. Yeah, and so a bunch of so several passengers stood up, grabbed her, and like probably held her down, and then they like pulled her arms back and handcuffed her. Right. So what? What the interesting point here, and what I wanted to comment on this article is the fact that that right there, herein lies the social obligation that we have as passengers to beat another passenger's ass if they freak out on the plane. Yeah, and you know what my my issue with this is, if this was a real terrorist, 
it's too late once the flight attendant asks you to do something. I think you need to, if somebody's doing some crazy shit, you need to take the initiative right then up. and there. Dude, no, seriously. And I think what you need to do is rely on WWF moves. So, like, <laughs> if you see someone freaking out on the plane and you're, like, all the way in the back and they're up in front trying to, like, you know, open the cabin door, just run up with your arm extended, clothesline flat fashion, and just nail them. And then Texas stomp while they're on the ground. <laughs> Dude, you're really dating yourself with a WWF. Dude, that, that league hasn't been around for like 15 or 18 years. Yeah, but that's when I was into it, okay? <laughs> it's not like maybe, I still watch it now. Thing. Maybe that's yeah. a good thing. But what I'm saying is like, dude, I would go all Jake the Snake Roberts on her. It'd be like pure like Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'd grab her and just, you know, put her in a pile drive and just slam her head on the ground. And I think it's important that this is America and we don't racially profile or gender profile. So if a woman is acting crazy... Or age profile. Or, or age profile. We don't want to be ageist. So if an old lady's acting crazy, you should just punch her right in the face. And you're allowed to as a passenger because I, I think George Bush gave us this right. I think it's like an amendment now. You keep calling it a right. It's an obligation as an American. Well, the, the fact of the matter is... Prior to 9-11, so it happened, like, the, the terrorists got up there, it was scared innocent, the shit out of everybody. It was an everybody. innocent time prior to 9-11. Well, yeah, I mean, we were in the Garden of Eden. Well, no one knew what to do. They're just like, oh, God, they have box cutters. I'm paralyzed with fear. But now it's like if someone tried to get up there with box cutters, everyone would just swarm that guy and beat the shit out of him. I was actually, this is true, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I used to fly a lot for work. And I was on a plane, like, the week after 9-11. Like, they had just, you know, there were three days where no flights happened. And then maybe three more days, and I was on a plane. Yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. The pilot, you know, the pilot would come on and be like, yeah, we're going to be flying into San Diego today. Uh, weather down there. Very nice. 78 and sunny. I uh, got a headwind out of the uh, north and blah, blah, blah. This pilot, before the plane took off, got on, got on the intercom and said, Everybody, I want to. I just want to say that we're all in this together, and uh, you know, if uh, anybody acts a fool back there, I expect you guys to all pull together. The, the pilot actually said the that. The pilot said that he, in in that many words, you know, he didn't say if somebody gets up and does something crazy, beat the shit out of him. But everybody knew that's what he meant. See, right there, he's giving you license to give another passenger a pile driver. He was a brother, so I don't think he fooled around. No, but I mean seriously, I've never been on a flight. Up until this point, I've never heretofore. I've never been on a flight where I've seen someone freak out. But if someone does freak out, that's my opportunity to shine. I don't care, dude. I will run up there and I'll start just pounding him in the face. You'll get right up on the turnbuckle and like you know do a. No, you know what I'll do? I'll body punch. Slam. I'll punch them and stomp at the same time. <laughs> and then it's just like enough, maybe a face rake or two. And then it's just like as soon as they're on the ground, it's just like it's going to be you know I'm going to have my elbow out and just fall on them with all my weight. I don't, I don't want to burst your bubble, but a lot of those WWF moves are fake. You might want to get some real moves. Here, here's my move. Heresy! <laughs> here's my move. If they're kind of in the middle, middle, you know, the middle of the numbers, you know, in the middle of the plane, you, you yell at him. You go, hey, you, crazy person, look up there at the front of the plane. Then they'll stick. And just bam. Well, no, then they'll stick the, their head out into the aisle and look forward, and you go back and get the drinks cart and just start running it up and just <laughs> shear their head right off. <laughs> No, but you know, dude, it's like... Because if you've ever been hitting the elbow with that thing, it yeah, kills. it hurts. Or the right? knee. Imagine in the back of the head. I love it when you're like sitting there, like sleeping, and your leg's kind of out in the aisle, and it's yeah. just like, bam! Yeah, and you know the steward's yeah, like doing that on purpose. imagine that in the back purpose. of the head. You'd be out. But no, the thing is, is like, we live our lives, you know, riding public transportation every day, walking through the city every day, and we're not allowed just to go assault someone and start beating them senseless. But now on an airplane, if someone flips out, 
It's a social obligation that we have. When you're on a plane, that's like a that's like a guided missile. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, would you even wait for the uh, flight attendant to ask for your help, or would you just be up like, let's go? No. If the flight attendant asks for your help, it's too late. They've already got the box cutters out. They already have hostages. Dude, you need to I just would do seriously. You need I to would, be vigilant. I would stand up, take my shirt off, and be like, how are we going to handle this? You know what? <laughs> God damn you, because I was just going to ask you, knowing that you like the WWF moves, at what point does the shirt come off? Dude, right in the beginning. I would take my shirt off and be like, how are we going to handle this? Let's go. And then, more importantly, once she is subdued and you have to go back to your seat, does the shirt go back on? Or do you just leave it off? I'd probably leave it off for the duration of the flight. But it's you gotta like, cool down. Well, as soon as I gave her the pile driver and she's lying there writhing on the ground, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go walk back to 16B, my seat, shirt off. And I'd probably take her belt off and like hold it up. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to have some moves to like to get the crowd going. Like, you know, wave your arms around, pull it up to your ear. But you must admit, though, this woman deserved a beat down. And had you been on that plane, you'd have gotten at least one Texas stomp in, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I think I, I think I would have tried to like smash her dog in the teeth. Also, I probably would have picked up the dog and started smacking her on the head with the dog carrier. That's an original move right there. Yeah, but I don't know. Anyway, people, whenever you fly, just watch out for that because it's an opportunity that you don't normally get. Don't let somebody even look sideways at you. Yeah. Well, moving on here, it's uh, episode fifty-eight of uh, Sick and Wrong. We're almost at the uh, sixty mark, which maybe we'll have to have a, another guest in for maybe. episode sixty. We'll see. But uh, let me wrap up uh, last week's podcast here. Um, I believe I did a story about an anal fistula that um, an immigrant had and a a border guard like pulled on it. That's typical of you. Yeah. Uh, You did a story, Wackerly did a story here about a a shit mouth prisoner, prisoner who had shit in his mouth. Yeah. And uh, the listener sent a story about meth urine. And so, uh, yeah, dude, as expected, I won by a landslide here. I had about 81 votes. You came in with a uh, healthy 46, and the listener had about 14. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, enjoying my beer right here for uh, episode 57. Thank you, Wackerly. Tastes Wackley. a little skunked. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know what's up with this. I think uh, these cans might be a little old. I got it from the supermarket. Who knows how long it's been sitting there. But moving on here, I got a, I think I have another winner here for uh, episode 58. Bring I, be- it. I believe um, you started last week, so I'm going to kick off the show here. People, you know the way Sick and Wrong works. Uh, Wackerly, myself, comb the internet for the most disturbing news items of the week. Uh, the audience votes. Winner gets a case of beer. And a uh, listener also sends in a story, which uh, we actually got a good local story here from a listener that we'll get to in a second. So uh, let me start this off. My story takes place in a prison, an institution, federal institution here in uh, Florence, Colorado. Man who gutted cellmate had mental problems. Really? Hmm. Fancy that. In prison, um, mental problems, gutting cellmate. Well, what I like about this story is um, I, in, in recent podcasts, we've done a lot of stories on child abuse and uh, a lot of scatological stories involving some human excrement right. or some other excreta. And I kind of want to put a moratorium on that. I, I kind of want to like, you know, for the next couple podcasts, I want to get down to basics. I want to get back to murder. Butchery. Butchery. You know, just pure gruesome violence. And so, um, yeah, this, this kind of takes the cake here. So the man accused of killing his uh, prison cellmate, then gutting him and hanging his intestines from a clothesline in his cell... 
has a history of brain injuries and untreated mental problems that would have made it difficult for him to think clearly, plot a murder, or resist murderous impulses. That's what his defense team has been saying. That doesn't seem like a murder. That seems like, you know, impulse, rage, violence, or whatever you would call that. I think it seems like interior decoration. <laughs> you know I mean? Dude, it's like, you know, those, those, those prisons are rather sparse. There's not much. He was much. sprucing those, the place yeah, up. That, those prison cells are kind of boring. And it's like, you know, now he's got like nice bloody red intestines hanging from the, the clothesline. Do you think they should be on like HDTV design on a dime or something? Yeah, or you know, Pimp like uh, prison eye for the prison guy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So um, William Sablon here is a native of the island Saipan. So Saipan is a Western Pacific island. I believe uh, Japan owns it. I don't know, but somewhere like uh, near Japan. He's accused along with his cousin of killing cellmate Joey Australia at the federal prison in uh, Florence. Uh, Colorado. This happened in October 99. If convicted, he would be the first person in Colorado to face possible execution since Timothy McVeigh. Mm. And we all know what he did. So in opening statements this morning at his trial, Assistant uh, District Attorney Brenda Taylor said the evidence is clear and captured on a gruesome videotape. It shows the videotape here was taken by guards who began recording it after they discovered uh, the dead cellmate in the cell. It shows... Uh, William Sablan and his cousin, Rudy Sablan, holding up Australia's organs and dancing around with them and bragging about killing him. So, like, they, 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 they found this guy's dead body. He's gutted. His intestines are all ripped out. And they go get the camcorder? Yeah, they, they go. The first thing they do is they get the camcorder. And here are these dudes dancing around with his organs and confessing to the murder on tape. What were they like? Bob Saget's going to love this. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're doing some kind of like weird Western Pacific island dance or something like, uh, you know, maybe doing like a Rico Suave. It's like I got this guy's stomach in my hand. <laughs> the Macarena. Yeah. William Sablan here is heard confessing to the crime saying, I did it. No big deal. I did it. He just gutted a corpse and uh, was dancing around with the entrails. No big deal. You know, I mean, he's just ready to admit to it. So at the trial, 18 jurors made of 12 women and uh, four men are expected to see the video um, during the trial. So would you be stoked being a juror? I, I would hope that would happen before lunch. Yeah, I know. And I, I probably wouldn't be eating spaghetti or any <laughs> other kind of Italian for that matter. The defense, the defense attorney here argued that Rudy Sablan was the one, the cousin was the one who strangled Australia, and William Sablan is heard on the videotape telling his cousin in their native language that he will take the blame for the killing. So he must have been in there for murder already, so he's just kind of like, whatever, dude. What kind, of, what kind of tools or implements of destruction do they have in their cell that they can gut this guy and remove all his intestines? I don't know. I imagine some kind of shiv That's or something. Shiv. Yeah, no, I it's mean... It's a really sharpened toothbrush. Maybe he had a... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he must have been working on that toothbrush for a while. The defense attorney also said William Sablan was defending himself and that the other inmates saw the two men fighting prior to the killing. Yeah, usually when you're defending yourself, you don't completely mutilate a guy and decorate yourself with his entrails. With his entrails, yeah. I don't, I don't know what kind of defense that is. The OJ defense? Yeah. I'm not sure. So uh, several physicians testified that Sablan suffers from psychosis, which caused him to hear voices and post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, his defense team also said that he has brain injuries caused by two falls from more than 20 feet. 
and an attack in which someone hit him over his head with a machete. I guess he his shaved head um, bears at least two deep scars. I don't I don't know what goes on on this island here that he's from, but apparently it's it's rather brutal. It's, it sounds like a Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It sounds like this guy was Braveheart. Apocalypto Part Two. Yeah. I don't. I you know I have no idea. But what I what I find interesting about this too is, so he had two falls from more than twenty feet. You know how does this happen? How do they know that? Pushed off the roof by his brother. Yeah, and, and plus, I, I like the fact that he is uh, attacked with a machete, lived. And it's like, dude, could you imagine going into prison and that's your cellmate, this fucking crazy Western Pacific Islander guy with like these big, you know, gashes in his head? Malformed skull. Staring at you, drooling. Yeah. I mean, he was about to decorate his fucking cell with your entrails. And he probably would tell you about it every day. So Sablan was one of 15 children who had five kids of his own before one was killed. He was moved to the Federal Correctional Fertile. Institution in Florence a few days before the killing. He was supposed to receive treatment for his mental problems, but uh, they just forgot about it. So I think they're just kind of like, yeah, let's just lock this guy up. Is it becoming too easy to be a defense attorney? You know, I don't know. Because I don't know if I'm using this word right, and I'm probably not, but isn't it a syllogism, syllogism or something where... My client did something psychotic because he's psychotic. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> that really... That seems a little easy. Did they teach you that in law school? But, but at the same time, it's like, dude, wouldn't you be floundering for defense? Like, So you're assigned to this guy, obviously, because he doesn't have money for his own attorney. What are you going to say? It's like you have to come up with some type of defense. It's like, yeah, so he did do something psychotic because he's crazy. Uh, that other dude I was mean... farting up the cell all the time. <laughs> never made his bed. <laughs> No courtesy flushes in the in the little open toilet. I don't know, man. It's like when I read stuff like this, I'm just like, God, dude. I don't think I would ever. Fa- I I just don't think I would fare well in prison. No, not with that song, man. Well, I remember I used to work with a guy at the strip club. Uh, this this really big brawler Italian dude named Rolando, and he he'd been in prison multiple been in the times. Big house. He'd been in the big house for like up to like ten, fifteen years, wow. like out uh, out east. And so I was working in the strip club. This this guy used to get in fights all the time. He must the have bouncers. thought you were just an incredible pussy. Well, yeah, you know you know what he said to me. He you know he he always used to say that he thought I was really pretty, <laughs> and uh, he was less like put it this way: there are two types of guys in prison. Guys that sit down when they pee and guys that stand when they pee. You would be a guy that sits down when they pee. <laughs> that must and have it, made your day. Yeah, I know. I was just kind of like sitting there thinking, yeah, dude, you know, I'm never going to go to prison. <laughs> I'm just never going to go to prison. I mean, maybe if I did, I would hook up with some Jewish gang in prison. But are there any? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they, they run around, they do everyone's accounting. I think that was effective for you. You were, you were scared straight. Yeah, no, Kinda seriously. Like they do on I, the Montel just, Williams show. Yeah, I was just like, okay, dude, I definitely do not want to have to sit down when I pee. They didn't have to send you to boot camp or anything like that. No. Just, just that one comment, yeah. you were scared straight. He told me that, and I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm never going to prison. Thank you for that, Rolando. So on the uh, sick and wrong scale here, a uh, guy was murdered. I would say that uh, this crime was especially heinous. It showed ex- exceptional depravity. Um... Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to give it a 9.7. Yeah, I was, I'm going to say a 9.6, just because of the uh, decorating the cell with the entrails. You know, if they had just murdered him, I'd be like, oh, it's a run-of-the-mill prison well, murder happens story. Time, happens yeah. all the time in prison. But the fact that they were dancing around with his organs and decorated the cell with his entrails, like it's str- got to up the score a little like bit. Birthday up the stream- like birthday streamers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> sticky, dripping birthday streamers. It's like a Cannibal Corpse album cover. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to give this a 9.7. They probably optioned the uh, pictures for the Cannibal Corpse, you know. <laughs> we got to get those pictures for our next album. Well, I kind of hope the video gets online. I'd love to see it. I don't really want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you have here, Wankerly, for uh, 58? Think you can hang with this story? Maybe. We'll see. But uh, bear with me because I'm going to go into a little bit of an elaborate introduction to my story. And I'll try and make it quick. I just want you to keep in mind that I have a winning streak going here, okay? Yeah, I know. All right. So I'm going to try. No pressure. I'm going to try and do what I can. But do you remember, this is a really general question, but when you were younger... This is kind of a phenomenon that I want to know if it's just me or if other people also experience this. And maybe the listeners can also chime in through email and we'll talk about it on the next podcast. But do you remember, you know, when you're young and you have rock bands that you like or sports figures that you're like really into, you know, some quarterback or something, but they're all older or than Roman you. Or Roman Catholic priests. <laughs> no, that doesn't really fit <laughs> into my story. But uh, they're, they're all older than you. You know, you're 15. You look up to this rock star. He's 25 or... You know, some quarterback, he's 21. You're like, man, that guy's so cool. I love this band. I love that team. They're so great. They get all kinds of ass. That's so awesome. And it, Yeah. Don't... Like, I thought the same thing about Michael Jordan and uh, the, the WWF uh, professional wrestlers. Right. Macho Man. And, and and it's cool. And, they, and they, get, they have all kinds of money and they get all kinds of ass. And part of the reason it's cool is because you, in the back of your mind, you have some little inkling that, you know, maybe when I'm that age, I'll have lots of money and I'll get lots of ass. Of course. I mean, you obviously are inspired and you, yeah. know, you look up to these people. You idolize but them. But then you keep getting older. You know, you do whatever you do. You get out of high school. You get a job. Go to college or something. You become Al Bundy. Yeah. And one day you, you go to see a show. You go to see a rock band or you or you go to a, a sporting event and you, and you see this team that you're sort of really into or a band that you're really into. And you're looking at the lead singer or, you know, the, the hockey center or the goalie or whatever. And you're thinking, that guy's pretty awesome. And then you're thinking, wait a minute. That guy's like five or ten years younger than me. It's yeah. cool that he has lots of money and he's really cool and he gets lots of ass. But you know what? I'm kind of pissed. Yeah, that because... guy's ten years younger than me and he's doing way more than I'll ever do. Well, it's kind of like a realization of your failure in life. Yeah, you're never going to... He's younger than you and he's always already had way more success than you'll ever have. I, yeah, no, no, seriously. He's fucked way better looking woman than you... I've even jerked off to. Right. It's one of those like big life transitions that you never see coming and it just happens. It's and a self-effacing moment. It's I've depressing. Had those. Yeah, it is. Well, this story that I have is a little bit depressing. So I'm 31, almost going to turn 32. You're about the same age, right? Yeah, I'm actually already 32. <laughs> oh, dude, you're old. <laughs> I'm about to cry. <laughs> well, apparently there's a 31-year-old in Papua New Guinea who has his own cult. Really? Yeah, and apparently uh, his name is um, Terry, Stephen Terry, but he's also known as, he calls himself Black Jesus, as as all his followers also call him Black Jesus. And apparently the officials in Papua New Guinea uh, have uh, started a manhunt for this guy because he's said to have sacrificed three young women to the devil and, wow. and eaten their bodies. Damn, dude. So this guy's our age. He has a huge cult, and you know, 
young women are being sacrificed to him. He's eating their bodies. He must have sex with them beforehand. Yeah, yeah. He has all, he, well, Anyone he wants. There's a three that he killed and ate, allegedly. And then he has, like, you know, hundreds of others that are just his sexual slaves. And they say, like, you know, I'm not into this, but as young as 13, 14 years old. In one case reported by the villagers where he lives, uh, a mother who had fallen under the cult leader's spell led her 14-year-old daughter to his hideout, offered her to him as a virgin, and then stabbed her to death. Stabbed her own daughter to death. Yeah. The Black Jesus 31-year-old Stephen Terry started his cult last year. God, this guy has charisma. After he was expelled from Bible college for stealing from fellow students. (laughs) He has enticed girls as young as 12. Oh, wow. I I missed the age back there. From their homes to be sex slaves and is thought to have more than 6,000 followers. Jesus. Who who believe in human. Black Jesus. They all believe in human sacrifice. (laughs) Damn, dude. So, this guy, no, seriously, dude. This guy has has marked achievements here. Yeah. Well, so now the uh, you know the police in Papua New Guinea have uh, uh, sent people out to sort of hunt him down because he obviously lives out in the jungle in some weird compound or they move around. They're sort of like traveling nomadic cult. Um, but apparently, this isn't the first time the cops have gone after him. Back in June of 2006, the police also went out after him. Uh, they met with strong resistance from cult warriors carrying guns, spears, and bush knives. Man. See, this guy's our age. Do you have any cult warriors fighting for you with weapons? No. When people I... come and try and find you, they stand up to the cops? Seriously, dude, I, I, I fail miserably in comparison to this guy. At this time, back in June, um, the cops met with strong resistance from the warriors. Eight officers would have been overrun by the warriors during a half-hour clash if another seven-man police unit had not arrived in time, where uh, they started to shoot at all these people with shotguns and everything. Um, the patrol fired on the cult followers, who retreated after suf- suffering casualties back into the jungle. They melted into the forest. So this guy has his own army, and he's taking on a country. Yeah, and, and here's another interesting thing that I'd never heard this term. I guess I sort of knew the concept. It's a, the, the particular cult is a particular kind of cult called... Wow, that's way too much. That's way too much alliteration. It's called a cargo cult. A cargo cult. Have you ever heard of that? No. What does it mean? Have you ever seen the movie uh, "The Gods Must Be Crazy"? Yeah, about the Bushmen and the bottle of Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, that's a big phenomena, and it's called a cargo cult, where it's a primitive uh, culture that all of a sudden Western culture comes in in like airplanes, and they have all kinds of junk cargo. So and, it's like a culture clash? Well, it, yeah, it's obviously called, it's a specific type, though. The villagers see these white people or whatever come in with planes. They've never seen a plane before. You know, bo- Coke, Coca-Cola and bottles. The pale faces. Radios, everything. Televisions, whatever. Guns, strange clothes. And they de- and it's not just, this is a sort of a phenomenon that happens all over in independently, you know, independent situations. Uh, the native tribes people will think that okay, the gods gave this cargo to these white men, but really it belongs to us. So what the, the villagers will do, well, they'll try, they'll try and mimic what the uh, white invaders or whatnot are doing. So they'll, like, if the white people come in in planes, they'll, like, make sort of plane-shaped things out of, like, you know, straw and bamboo leaves and dirt just to try and convince the gods that they deserve the that cargo. they deserve the cargo as well. Yeah, so part of this cult was uh, uh, leaders uh, would tell their followers that all sorts of goods and money would just fall out of the sky and they wouldn't have to work for it. That's how this guy sort of gets all of his 6,000 Those people followers. are so easily swayed. Right. So I don't understand, how does Satanism play into this? I don't think it, well, I mean, he's kind of, 
engages in satanic activities. Okay, because he's sacrificing virgins and right. eating their flesh. I mean, he calls himself Black Jesus. He doesn't call himself Black Satan. So this this guy, if you think about it, he's kind of like Jim Jones in a way. Like he, right. I mean, he had his own. He has a, a cult. He's but Jim Jones is older than thirty one. This Jones, goes back to my original yeah. point. I can still look up to Jim Jones and feel good about it because Jim Jones, you know, he was fifty, sixty when he went down to wherever he went to and had, you know, the what were they called, the people or something? Yeah, the people that yeah. cult that he had. And they, you know, made them all drink the poison Kool Aid. And I can still think maybe in twenty or thirty years. Maybe I'll have a cult following. But this guy's already doing it. He's blowing my dream. And 6,000 people at that. I mean, I don't think uh, Jim Jones' cult was that big. But you, you know what this reminds me of? I remember when I was a kid and I was in high school. I think I was in junior high, actually, when that whole Waco debacle was going on with right. David Koresh. Yeah. And he I was, was just young, like, too. Yeah, he, wasn't he was too young. Old. You know, he was like 31, I think, or 30. Same age. Yeah, same age. And uh, this But dude, back then, I was younger than that, and I could think, maybe yeah. that'll be me. Dude, no, I totally was just like, man, dude, this guy's like a messiah here. He's got his own compound. He has like a bunch of like hot young chicks that he gets to have sex with. He had a stable of women that he had sex with. They are kind of dumpy, actually. <laughs> Yeah, but dude, I mean, he was getting much think more like, ass than I was. Yeah, but think like country homeschooled girls with weird hair. I was jerking off to Victoria's Secret catalogs, okay? Yeah. And here's David Koresh, in, you know, having sex with eight girls at once, playing on his, you know, shitty songs on his acoustic guitar. Right. And I, t no, seriously, I, I totally was just like, man, I wish I could be like Koresh one day. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and he was Didn't like 30. Happen, though. Didn't no, happen. I'm, I'm here. I'm you 32. You already your prime. Here I'm 32, and like one of my most major accomplishments was I finished Grand Theft Auto One. You know, two and three were a little too hard for you. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and it's just like I managed to beat the first one, and then that's that's like probably one of my only list of real accomplishments. I don't I don't have a cult with six thousand people. I don't get to eat the flesh of young virgins. No, you don't. Failure. God, dude, that article's depressing. Yeah, so I don't want the score to be, uh, you know, I don't want any demerits against the score, though, just because you're depressed. Here's the points of the story. Uh, there's more detail here, but I'm not going to go into it because it's not that interesting. But the points of the story is cult following, cargo cult. But the really most important thing is he's murdered three, three of these girls that he did. Maybe they were the ugly ones. He didn't want to rape them. You know, he's got the hot ones to rape. So he yeah, took the three ugliest the fat ones, ones, killed them and ate them. Yeah. And on the second wrong scale, dude, I mean, there's murder. There's cannibalism. The fact that you have this, like, original narrative here. A, a cult leader that's only 31 that's yeah. accomplished so much. Still on the loose. <sighs> Going to have to give it a 9.5. Yeah, I'll give it a 9.5. Yeah, I'm going to have to give it a 9.5. Well, we'll see what the listening audience has to say about that. But before we get into that, God, that's a good story there, Wackerly. Before we get into that, I uh, have a good listener submission here, local story that I mentioned before. Uh, this was sent in by the guy who gave us that Thai whiskey. You know, I kind of wanted to punch him in the face for that because that shit tasted so bad. I actually think we need to finish it. It's just an honor thing. Yeah. One shot per show. We didn't do it this show, but maybe next show we should start maybe. that tradition. Well, Vinny, Vinny, um, Vinny gave us that uh, Thai whiskey, and uh, he sent in this article. So Vinny used to live in the Tenderloin, and uh, this was like uh, about a year ago. He used to live in the Tenderloin, and uh, he it's lived- Skid Row of San Francisco, basically. Yeah, it's the Skid Row of SF. And he lived in like a particular, a particularly like nasty corner 
where there are a lot of crackheads. It was like O'Farrell and Jones. Yeah. And so um, Vinny... Deep, deep tenderloin. Well, what's interesting about Vinny is, so Vinny is, he's kind of a social worker. I think he went to school for social work. So he's very Healthcare, sentimental. Yeah. social worker. He's very sentimental towards people and their feelings. And uh, well, what's funny is like almost every email you get from Vinny, it's like you can tell that he's compassionate about it. It's like it's like you hear that music that you heard at the end of The Incredible Hulk that like... Do, 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 do. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That like really sad music. The TV when, show, not the movie. Yeah, the the, the TV show where yeah. uh, where Bruce Banner's walking down the highway all alone because he just can't fit in with society. Right. I always kind of like hear that music in the back of my head whenever I get an email from Vinny. Yeah. So Vinny sensitive. Vinny sent in this article. He's like, man, read this article. This woman was a bum who lived outside my building on O'Farrell. <laughs> we nicknamed her Queen Bee for Queen Bum. She'd be so hopped up on shit that she would just shake and scream at the most random shit. However, there was something kind of slick about her. Nobody deserves what she got. Ruthless, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, dude. He's like pouring his heart out here. So what happened to her? So uh, a homeless woman suffered a horrible death. So this, this lady actually, um, I've seen her. I, I'd seen her in the Tenderloin several times. She was one of those like, not really nondescript crackheads, but one of those like, Regular crackheads, but white a white lady that would just kind of walk around toothless, really like emaciated, just like, kind of like, and like really like no teeth, not even one tooth. But it almost sounded like she was speaking in tongues, like you couldn't understand what she was saying. So uh, this homeless lady was doused with gasoline and set on fire after she told police that she had been robbed by uh, these two women. So two so women she, here. She snitched on somebody and got. Uh, and they, she got her they come gave, up. They tried to give her retribution. Yeah. So in a crime, prosecutors say showed exceptional depravity. Two San Francisco women stand accused of dousing a longtime homeless woman. I love that longtime homeless woman with uh, gasoline and burning her alive in an apparent witness retaliation slaying. So Mia Sagoti here, thirty years old, and Leslie Saliga, twenty nine, are believed to have selected the victim. Leslie Jill May, 50-year-old crackhead, um, after May told police on the day of her death that she had been robbed by Sigoti on the street in the Tenderloin the day before. The victim was kidnapped off the street, taken to Candlestick Park, which if um, you know anything about San Francisco, that's where the 49ers used to play. Yeah. Or do they still play there? I think they still play there, but now it's called Three... They changed the name to Three Com Park. Three Com Park, yeah. Three Com, the company sponsored the stadium, and they took the the traditional name away. So they they, they took her to Candlestick Park, doused her with gasoline, and set her on fire. The thing about Candlestick Park is it's really windy. So I imagine if you set somebody on fire, the blaze just... It was like an inferno with all the wind feeding the fire. Well, they must have had to use a lot of gasoline, I imagine. But then again, I mean, I bet you crackheads are rather combustible, don't you think? (laughs) Lots of flammable chemicals just oozing out of their pores. So authorities say May was first accosted in the Tenderloin the morning of January 11th by Sigoti, who was angry that May's boyfriend owed her $150 on a loan. I find this interesting that uh, this 49-year-old crackhead had a boyfriend, but God, could you imagine what that guy must have looked like? Yeah. Uh, When May, I find it interesting that these these women, uh, the suspects thought that this crackhead was is gonna have 150 bucks because crackheads usually save their money they have a little yeah. nest egg in their back pocket yeah i'm sure she had a cd deposit account over at uh the bank of america yeah she's she gonna just go withdraw like 50 bucks with her atm she's card sa- she's saving up 150 bucks but she's selling the street sheet to buy crack <laughs> when may said she had no money sigoti allegedly slammed her into a wall threw her to the ground and punched her face later that morning 
Sigoti pulled May behind a trash container. These are like homeless bullies here. They pulled her behind a trash container, stripped her of her clothing and cash, which I imagine is probably like two forty-five or something. Two dollars and forty-five cents, or just forty-five yeah. cents. They left her naked behind the garbage bin. How much is a vial of crack? Do you know? Five this is like ten bucks, ten maybe bucks. five bucks. Yeah, so she yeah. could have had five bucks. Yeah, what, saving like up that. for the ten. So May went to authorities the next day, reported the crime. Authorities believe that at least one of the women involved had learned apparently by word in the street of May's police report. That afternoon, May was back in the tenderloin, obviously looking for crack, when she was approached by the two women, forced in the backseat of a car, driven to a stadium parking lot at Candlestick Point, and set on fire. They doused her with gasoline. So uh, both these women were arrested on January 23rd and are charged separately in the robbery and now charged with murder and commission of a kidnapping. I like how they were immediately caught. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no, it's like right off the bat. It's like, oh, yeah, it was those two ladies. And it's funny because, like, if a lawyer or something is, you know, uh, mugged and, and murdered, they, they, they usually have a hard time finding out who did that, you know? Well, I don't think these women were criminal geniuses here. No. Yeah, they, they weren't masterminds. I think the, yeah, and uh, to go back to what I said before, the initial indication that they're not that smart is they're trying to rob a crackhead so so this article kind of goes into um, a lengthy detail here which i'm going to kind of skip over but uh, they mentioned that she was one of the hardcore homeless who had been identified for outreach help by uh, san francisco mayor gavin newsom I, I, like, I like that that uh that not moniker there hardcore homeless yeah I'm into hardcore, dude. I'm into hardcore. And so they go into a lot of history about her. I guess uh, she had told her story to some, like, you know, human um, human touch article in the Chronicle back in 2004. I guess she had been, like, uh, she had been raised in Idaho, raped and impregnated by the age of 16. She moved to San Francisco in 1976. Yeah, she had a miscarriage. This is, this is where Vinny's heart's pouring out here. She had a miscarriage, became a prostitute. She and Ricky Smith, a one-time pimp known as Slick Rick, who had 24 prostitutes working for him, shared a life on and off the streets. They had three children together. Isn't that comforting to know that this woman is actually bred? Yeah, I wonder what happened to the kids. I don't even want to know. Social services. <laughs> but, but the best part of the story here is, is they go in to say, back then, 1976, May was a stunner, dubbed Legs, who attracted business from men of all professions and income levels. Um... Slick Rick here goes on to say she had legs like Tina Turner, you know. <laughs> Another one of her friends said she was a classy hooker. She had that personality. She had that look. She was the glamorous girl, like she just stepped out of a magazine. Yeah, but you got to remember these are all quotes from other crackheads. Yeah, I know. These are other <laughs> I crackheads. Buy, I don't buy any of this shit. So go forward about 30 years. Addicted to heroin and crack, May lost her teeth and so much weight she was practically skin and bones. Her once famous legs grew infected from dirty syringes and she couldn't walk anymore so much, so much as shuffle. Atrophied legs. Just like the real Tina Turner. <laughs> she had legs... Just like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, I mean, it's like there's so many crackheads like that in the loin. And it's like... I, An I, abundance. I, I mean, I don't want to go on here and say it's like, you know, there's a Darwinian element to this. Because it's not. I mean, this woman lived to be, you know, 30 years on the streets as a crackhead. Yeah, those, cra those crackheads, not to say, not to belittle them, but they're like cockroaches. Like, they survive. Just on the street, smoking crack. Dude, if Vinny heard you call a crackhead a cockroach, he'd be crying right now, okay? I mean that, I mean that in the best way possible. So, 
you know, on the sick and wrong scale, this crackhead was uh, murdered. She was uh, doused with gasoline, set on fire, had been stripped naked the day before. I mean, there's a lot of like gruesome, gory detail here in this article. There's some exceptional depravity. Yeah, exceptional depravity. It's a particularly heinous crime, which I think we right. should start using those terms to uh, evaluate our own articles here on Sick and Wrong. I'm exceptional just start, depravity. I'm just going to start Googling that phrase to get my articles. Yeah, I, th- I think that might work. On the Sick and Wrong scale, dude, I'm going to have to give this a 9.2. I'll give it a 9.3. A 9.3. I mean, only one person was killed. I mean, no the, one was dancing with her entrails. All nines this week, though. That's pretty it was good. It's a barbecue crackhead. Yeah, crackhead barbecue. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it was pretty good. We invite the listening audience here to vote on these stories. Sigarongpodcast.com. Sick and Wrong is now on sickradio.com. Dude, we got to wrap up this show here. It's gone on a little too long. And uh, as usual, we get the listener email. A uh, couple things I want to go through here real quick. We received a bunch of, um, we received a lot of people sending in stories. I'd like to thank everyone for that. Also, um, people were commenting. I love how uh, we, we get a lot of uh, witty comments that people send us when they vote for stories, which I always appreciate. Love the witty comments. One of the things here, Mickey uh, voted uh, for Podcast 57, and she says, keep up the good work, guys. Also, are the pictures on the site really your pictures? I'm curious as to what you look like. I'm hoping Mickey's a female. You know, don't you think so? Yeah, I'm going to think so. But you know what? The I'm same gonna time, suspend my disbelief and think so. But you know, at the same time, Mickey, I know you have an inherent distrust of the of uh, things you see on the internet. But yeah, that picture was taken of me about three years ago. Maybe three years ago. Yeah, and that picture of me was taken of me in high school. You know, it was a little while ago, but I still pretty much look like that. Yeah, dude. I mean, you never shaved your hair. No. And you still have that sword. Yeah, but I don't bring it out as much anymore. No, and the thing is, people are always like, oh, is that your Halloween costume? It's like, no, actually, I do that regularly. I, I used to carry that sword around. I fashion myself uh, somewhat of a ninja. <laughs> so, uh, Mickey, you should, um, yeah. I understand how you are you distrust a lot of things you see on the internet, but those pictures that you can see on the photo section of our website, that's really us. You can always trust the Rest Second assured. Run podcast. Um, also, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is uh, last week... We were talking about an email we received from uh, Randolph, who said that um, in the UK that they send retards to college. Yeah, that confused me. It, it was rather confusing. He uh, mentioned that they send retards to college, and he wanted to know if we do that type of things in the United States. And we were kind of confused. Like, why would retards go to college? No. I mean, I remember I used to have uh, retarded kids in my elementary school, but that sort of makes sense. You know, you want to acclimatize them to other people, normal people. But it, I don't understand why you why you keep pushing that and actually send them to college. I mean, you know? I can understand special education classes in high school where they learn to like tie their shoes and you know make toast, not masturbate all the time. Yeah, you know, I mean, sort of like kind of socialize them. But it's like college. I mean, what what do you think here that they're going to be like an astrophysicist or something? So, uh, Lori, we, I think we asked our listeners, you know, in the UK or in Europe, to explain this to us. Right. So, a listener here from the UK named Lori sent us an enlightening email email here. She said, the retards at the college thing. I don't know whether college in the UK has the same meaning as college in the US. College isn't generally the same as university. Uh. More often, it refers to the place you go in between high school and university. Hmm. So there's another step. It's high school, college, 
then university. So college is like grade 13 or something. Yeah, more or less. It has some university courses. She calls it uni courses. But we'll also have A-level. You need them for uni and basic school lever courses, along with lots of other inter- interestingly acronymed accreditation. Uh, accredit- <laughs> <laughs> accreditations <laughs> i never went to uni um the courses your retards went, would be on aren't usually academic courses either they're more often as i understand it aimed at enhancing social skills and general independent living stuff they may concentrate on increasing literacy and num- numeracy but they're not university degree courses so they're not prepping them to go to university. So they're not like in the school of social work because that's kind of what I thought. Because all the people I knew when I was in college at the in the school of social work were pretty retarded. I think what what they try to do is they even socialize them further than the special education classes we have near the boiler room in our high schools. Well, they're more enlightened over there. You know, it's like they go to college there and they kind of learn how to like you know. I guess maybe interact with other people. But it's funny because she goes on to say, generally, I love your lovely sick and wrongness, but if anything will grate with me, it's the retard stuff. She doesn't like the making fun of the retards. Someone with downs, for example, takes longer to learn stuff. And yeah, we'll never be a doctor, but they still have the right to be the best they can be. I think that's an army recruitment phase phrase, isn't it? What a great misuse of it, that that it, that is. In some cases, the courses provide a needed respite for carers and offers socialization that someone who's autistic or whatever just couldn't get generally. They're in a safe place. I don't. I kind of disagree with that. They're mixing with peers without being put in a home, which is nice. Basically, it's further education offered to everyone and targeted at the right level Yeah, for well, those people. Well, we misunderstood. We thought that, that these retards were in university. And I think that we're not making fun of specific retards. We're not like bringing retarded people in and laughing at them. No, I mean, we appreciate retards here. may do. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, normally we are making fun of the way that normal people deal with retarded people and the way that they, inter- you know, retarded people interact with normal people. That's what's funny to me. Well, what, what I mean, what I find interesting here is like, she's like, you know, they, they still have the right to be the best they can be. I, you know, I totally agree with that. It's just like, you know, they do have the right to like, you know, make a great taco supreme at Taco Bell or make, you know, like the best Whopper you can make at Burger King. Star in a funny TV show. Yeah, you know, like a funny TV show about life going on. Right. No, I understand that. Rap. Yeah, yeah, they can they can be rap stars like Eminem. But no, uh, what I'm saying here is I understand that. And, you know, I, I don't mean to like, yeah, I don't mean to disparage retards on the show. I don't think that's our goal here. And I, and I apologize if we've we've given any offense here to Lori. She must have a retarded sibling, don't you think? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But no, I, I think she understands where we're coming from in here. All we were really doing is we just want to clear up this like retards going to college thing. Now it's been cleared up. And Case now it's closed. been clearing. So I'd like to thank Lori for sending in that email and clearing up that dark area. Because I was confused. Yeah, you know, I, I got to say that. So you can empathize with the retarded person being confused at a lot of things. You were confused at this. Now you feel their pain. I kind of want to go take some of those courses. Yeah, it you might know? help you out. I, I, I wonder. You could stop wearing those Velcro shoes. Fast food prep. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Well, thank you, Lori, and uh, thank you, Mickey, for sending in those emails. And people email us, sickandwrongpodcast at uh, hotmail.com. Well, that about does it here for uh, episode 58 um, people go check out the website, sickwrongpodcast.com. I think we just updated some stuff recently. So, um, yeah, 
can have a lot of fun with it. Our website's a barrel of fun. It's really fun. <laughs> also, if you haven't had a chance yet, go vote for us at Podcast Alley. We're trying to get in that top ten. Oh, it's, it's like the holy grail. <laughs> Stay tuned next podcasting. week. Podcasting. Stay tuned next week. We'll be back with uh, episode 59. Until then, take it sleazy. Good night. Oh, sometimes I think back to when I was younger. Life was so much simpler then. Dad would be up at dawn. He'd be watering the lawn. Oh, maybe going fishing again. Oh, and Mom would be fixing up something in the kitchen. Fresh biscuits or hot apple pie. And I'd spend all day long in the basement Torturing rats with a hacksaw And pulling the wings off of flies Those were the good old days Those were the good old days The years go by but the memory stays And those were the good old days I can still remember good old Mr. Fender the corner grocery store Oh, he'd stroll down the aisle with a big friendly smile And he'd say howdy when you walked in the door Always treated me nice, gave me kindly advice I don't know why I set fire to his place Oh, I'll never forget the day I bashed in his head Well, you should have seen the look on his face Let me tell you now those were the good old days, those were the good old days. The years go by but the memory stays, and those were the good old days. shaved off all her hair and I left her in the desert all alone well sometimes in my dreams I can still hear the screams oh I wonder if she ever made it home I tell you those were the good old days those were the good old days the years go by but the memory stays and those were the good old days let me tell you but the good old